Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Castle, here for another episode of low-quality audio. Not a lot of special effects, but a lot of high-quality football discussion and analysis. We are into the playoffs. Unless, of course, you're in the San Francisco or Oakland sections. We haven't forgotten about you. Those sections have one more week to go before the postseason. And in fact, the OAL is playing the only Thursday night games in the entire Bay Area. So to quickly go over the OAL, McClymans is once again leading the league. They have not allowed a point in their first four league games, doing typical McClymans stuff, just beating everybody. They will be the number one seed. They have a game against Oakland Tech tonight. If they win that, Oakland Tech will finish in third, while Castlemont will be in second. Assuming Castlemont beats Fremont and Oakland beats Skyline, then it would be number one McClymans versus number four Oakland and number two Castlemont versus number three Oakland Tech in the semis. Oakland Tech has been the runner-up to McClymans most years lately, but Castlemont beat them 20 to nothing a couple of weeks ago. Castlemont 5-4 and four on the season. Junior Elijah Washington getting a lot of attention for the Knights throughout this season. In the San Francisco section on Friday, it'll be the final day of the regular season there as well. I will be at the Battle of the Birds at 1.30, Lowell at Washington. Winner of that game will finish in third place. Loser drops to fourth. You finish third, you'll face Balboa. You finish fourth, you'll face number one Lincoln. Lincoln, a 15-10 win over Balboa in the regular season. Both teams have handled things relatively comfortably other than that, especially Lincoln, though Lowell gave Lincoln a tough game, 21-13, and Balboa only beat Washington, 23-8. That said, all signs do point to a Lincoln-Balboa Part 4 on Thanksgiving. Other games tomorrow, Balboa at Galileo. Galileo's got two league wins, but... Even if they win this one, they would still lose head-to-head with whoever loses that Lowell-Washington game. So it will be the final game for them. It'll also be Burton's final game at Lincoln. The state volleyball playoffs are also underway. Divisions 1 through 5 will have their NorCal quarterfinals tonight, Thursday night. Last night, the Open Division got underway with Mitty sweeping Redwood. Number 3, Foothill beating number 6, St. Mary's in four sets. Number two, St. Francis over number seven, St. Ignatius in straight sets. And number five, Branson rolling past number four, Sacred Heart Prep. End of the line for a really talented Gator senior class. But Branson crushed them. 25-15, 25-12, 25-18. No matter what division you put them in, Branson is criminally underseated. That Branson midi match Saturday night should be a really good one. And is one that I will be paying very close attention to. Other details out of NorCal Volleyball. Oakland Tech was upset by number 12, Bret Hart, in Division 5 on Tuesday. The Bullfrogs, the third lowest seed in the entire field in Northern California. They'll be headed back to the Bay Area tonight to face Crystal Springs Uplands. Division 4, second seed of Marin Academy, hosting seventh seed Castilea. Division 3, number 8, Lowell, after sweeping Justin Siena, will head to Harbor tonight down in Santa Cruz. Harbor beat Akalanes in five sets, winning the first two sets, dropping the next two, but winning the fifth. Fifth-seeded Carmel, hosting number 13, Rippin Christian tonight. Number 2, Mercy Burlingame, will be hosting number 7, Foothill from Palo Cedro, up in the northern section near Redding. 
That game's going to be at CSM Mercy Swept Mountain View on Tuesday. Division 2, number 16 University upset number 1 Windsor. Jaguars were missing one of their best players. Red Devils went on the road, took them down in four sets, and now they will face Aragon for the second year in a row. Last year, Aragon fans not happy that they were playing in university's tiny gym instead of a bigger venue like Kizar Pavilion. Tonight, they'll be in a much larger gym at Aragon. That said, bring a jacket. It gets cold in there. I mean, I'd rather have that than a gym where it's like 85 degrees constantly. Like, if you've ever been in Mitty's gym with a big crowd, that's a real pain. Like, I'll wear shorts to any game there, no matter what the weather is outside. It's like the only time you would ever see Patrick Schneider take his jacket off would have been in games of Mitty, because it got hot in there. Anyway, it gets much colder at Aragon. Winner of that will be facing either number 5, Clovis North, or number 13, Clovis. Number 3, Sacred Heart Cathedral, hosting number 6, Pittman, out of Turlock. Irish swept Camp Alindo in the first round on Tuesday. And number 7, Notre Dame Belmont, hosting number 15, Tamil Pius. Tam went up to Chico, swept number 2, Pleasant Valley, while Notre Dame swept number 10, Los Gatos. In Division 1, you've got number 5, Amador Valley, heading up to Rockland. Amador Valley beat Burlingame in four sets. Rockland beat number 13, Palo Alto, in four sets. Number 1, Marin Catholic, hosting number 8, Folsom. Marin Catholic beat Granite Bay in four sets on Tuesday. Number 3, San Ramon Valley, hosting number 6, Valley Christian. SRV swept Christian Brothers. Valley Christian swept MA. Number 15, Monta Vista, heading up to El Dorado Hills. Two nights after going down to Clovis, they beat Buchanan in four sets, while Oak Ridge swept number 10, Menlo. As for football, that's what the bulk of you were here to find out about, I'm sure. So, it is week one of the postseason in the Central Coast and North Coast sections. By the way, if you hear that, that's Grian outside my room. He clearly has something to say about football as well. I would bring him back in, but then he'd immediately start yelling to be let out. So I'm just going to save him the trouble. I do want to mention a couple of things within the North Coast section brackets that probably are going to get overlooked largely, and that is eight-man football. They have two four-team brackets. Division two has number one, Roseland University Prep, facing number four, Cornerstone Christian, except... Instead of playing that game in Santa Rosa, that game's being played out at Tamales, which seems strange. I'm, I guess that's the closest venue they could get for eight-man football, a field way out in rural Marin County instead of something around Santa Rosa. I'm confused. And then number two, Sweat, hosting number three, Anderson Valley in Crockett. Division one, Stewart Hall is number one seed and will be hosting Branson at Keysar Stadium Friday night. Number two, South Fork, hosting number three, California School for the Deaf, up in Humboldt County. Stewart Hall actually has a 36-man roster. Now, that does include a handful of freshmen. They do not field a JV team, which is probably why it would be tough for them to make the jump to 11-man. They've definitely been one of the best eight-man football programs in the Bay Area for the last probably decade-plus. Richard Robinson, know him from coaching the basketball staff. He does a great job. Just want to make sure that his guys do get some attention entering playoff time. If you haven't seen eight-man football, it's pretty wide open fields. 
Gives guys a lot of chances to make plays at the skill positions. It'll be cool to see a little bit of a different brand of playoff football played at Kizar Stadium. Within the 11-man divisions of the North Coast section, things get underway on Friday night in Division 7. St. Helena hosts Ferndale, Willits hosts Berean Christian, Kelseyville hosts SPSV, number one Clear Lake has a bye. In Division 6, Moreau Catholic actually has to head on the road to face Arcata despite being the number two seed. That game is going to be played at McKinleyville. McKinleyville was also the host site a few years back when I went up to see Menlo Atherton face Eureka in a NorCal championship game. I believe Arcata gets to host through being the league champion. They went 6-0 in the HDNL Little Four. You've also got number four, Fortuna, hosting number five, Middletown. Division five, Friday night, number one, Miramani, hosts number eight, San Rafael. Number four, Alhambra, hosts the resurgent fifth-seeded Piedmont Highlanders. Number three, Anley, hosting number six, Justin Siena. Division four, all four games on Friday night. Number one, number one, San Marin, hosting number eight, Kennedy of Fremont. Number four, Maria Carrillo, hosting number five, Petaluma. Number two, Akalanas hosting Mount Diablo and star running back Herschel Turner Jr. And number three, Vallejo hosting number six, Del Norte. Division three also has three Friday games. Casa Grande hosting Tam in the four versus five game. I think that could be one of the most competitive games of the night in the North Coast section. Number two, Los Lomas hosting Paul Cronin's number seven, Ukiah Wildcats. Number three, Cardinal Newman hosting number six, American Canyon. Division two, three of the games are on Friday as well. Number one, El Cerrito, hosting number eight, Berkeley. Number two, Windsor hosts number seven, Vintage, in a NBL-VVAL showdown. Number three, Granada, hosting number six, Rancho Catade. And then in the Division one open division mix, all four games are on Friday as well. Number one, De La Salle, hosting number eight, Logan. That's been a pretty frequent matchup the last few years. Number three, Pittsburgh, hosting number six, Amador Valley. You would think Pittsburgh's going to be considered a heavy favorite. But if you throw out Amador's weird rivalry loss to Foothill, they've got a defense that can hang with the best of them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they keep this game closer than expected. Obviously, Pittsburgh's on a roll right now. I don't think anyone would predict them to lose this game. But I don't think they're just going to be able to waltz to the finish line. Number two, SRV, hosting number seven, Camp Alindo. Intriguing game considering Campo's been pushed up to Division One. something that seems like head coach Kevin Macy hasn't been too happy about. It's just a different game numbers-wise and depth-wise, but obviously he's been able to do tremendous things at that program. They managed to split another league title last week with the dramatic win at Akalanes. This is a rematch of last year's Division Two championship, and it'll be, you know, There'll be some eyes on if SRV can win this one to earn that rematch with De La Salle that people have been awaiting. I've certainly been awaiting it since the moment the last one went final, and I would really, really enjoy being able to see that again next week. The other Division I game, number four, Clayton Valley on the road at number five, California. Grizzlies get to host this game. Clayton Valley lost its hosting privileges after a sportsmanship issue at the end of their prior meeting with the Grizzlies. Some taunting, it seemed like, judging by the way it was worded in the Mercury News. 
Clayton Valley, in turn, was also missing a few players last week when they got stomped by De La Salle. You have to wonder if those were impact players, could it have been closer than 48 to 0? Clayton Valley's win at Cal was 33 to 24. Ugly Eagles entering the postseason at 5 and 5. Those five losses to Hagley out of Arizona, Oak Ridge, Jesuit, SRV, and De La Salle. Interesting thing about this Ugly Eagles team, they've had four pretty close wins out of the five. Only the loss to Hagley was competitive. Their other losses were all lopsided, although that is definitely a reflection on the quality of competition that they've been going up against. So that'll be one of the games that I'm sure there will be plenty of media eyes on as we get underway in the North Coast section playoffs. That said, it is time to turn our attention over to the Central Coast section. But before doing that, I do want to get into a couple of little things that I hadn't mentioned when discussing brackets coming out. One of the interesting things about the way the various sections do their brackets, the Central Coast section is pretty transparent about who is in charge of seeding. Although, again, with football, it's all numbers-based, whereas in sports like volleyball, basketball, it is subjectively seeded. The North Coast section tends to be very quiet about who's on their seeding committees, which, on one hand, I understand you don't want to have people with undue influence getting involved, badgering the people who are on the committee. On the other hand, I do appreciate the transparency, and that's something that the Central Coast section across all sports has been very good about for a long time. You know exactly who's making the decisions seating-wise. You know how they're being made, whether or not you like them. With a very small bit of research, you can understand why the decisions are being made and what the reasoning was, whether you like them or not. Now, as we enter the playoffs, you may have seen the clip of a bunch of people saying, don't. Get eliminated, which one of my favorite YouTube channels has used many times. That being sports satire commentator Urinating Tree. Now, it looks like it's from Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, which was like a, an American version of a Japanese game show. Anyway, I have my own version of this that I like to bring in at this time of year. Don't fall into the loser pile. So what is the loser pile? Well, in my room, I keep a stack of all the rosters of teams I'm seeing throughout the season. I print a roster out for the first time I see a team. Then in turn, you know, I've got some notes on it, like, oh, this guy changed the jersey number. This is a player to watch, etc. I bring those to every game along with my play-by-play -play stat sheets, and I keep them alphabetized as well until Brian messes with them because he likes playing with stacks of paper, because of course. So, you know, goes just alphabetically A through Z, or I guess at the top this year would have been Aptos, and at the bottom would have been Woodside. Just thinking through who I've seen, football, volleyball, etc. Anyway, at the end of the regular season... And after each week in the postseason, I recycle the rosters of the teams that have been eliminated. And those papers get put in what I like to jokingly call the loser pile. So your goal is to not end up in the loser pile. 
I'm very happy to note that I didn't have that many rosters to put in the pile last week after the end of the regular season, which meant I got to see a lot of playoff teams throughout the regular season. I like to pride myself on seeing good teams as the year goes on. I like watching good football. I think we all do. I've said many times that a good high school football game is a great use of a Friday night, and a bad high school football game is a really bad way to spend two and a half or three hours. And seeing that so many of the teams that I've covered throughout this season have made the playoffs makes me quite happy because not only do I like these teams, do I like following these stories, do I like it for the athletes, it means that I've gotten to spend my time watching entertaining games. So again, to all of you, good luck. Stay out of the loser pile. That said, the playoff field is going to get cut in half this week. That is an inescapable fact. So within the Central Coast section, the five divisions, we're going to go from Division 5 up through Division 1 to run down the games. Got number one, Woodside, hosting number eight, Del Mar, Friday night in D5. I think this is a sneaky, fun game. Woodside definitely favored as Del Mar coming out of the BVAL West Valley. Lowest ranked team in the entire field through the points system. The champion of what is perennially one of the weakest leagues in the entire section. But they've got a QB that can really turn on the Jets in the run game in Andre Lattimore. Him going up against Woodside running back Evan Usher, nicknamed Usher the Rusher by Terry Bernal of the San Mateo Daily Journal. That should be a lot of fun. That said... Usher definitely has a good supporting cast as well between Mason Furtado, Oliver Lassand, and others. Anyone who's entered the bracket challenge so far has picked Woodside. This is your reminder. If you want to enter the CCS bracket challenge, send me your picks by 4 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Number four, Santa Teresa hosting number five, Los Altos. Saints last year won Division Four. Los Altos has been a strange team as... They are the lowest-ranked B-League champion through the points system. They blew out Woodside 35-7 to to win that league title. Combined that with Carlmont upsetting Fremont of Sunnyvale. Then they got absolutely smoked by Mountain View last week in the MVLA Pride Bowl. They also have a good win over San Mateo, 17-14 back on September 15th. But... Struggled with a few other teams that you wouldn't expect. Losing to Rancho San Juan by 14. So that is a tough team to figure out. Santa Teresa seems to be getting the bulk of the picks. I haven't run the exact numbers on how many people have picked each team because I'm still getting picks to come in. But I will publish that data when I can. Give you guys a little bulletin board material. Don't worry if you're entering the competition, your picks remain anonymous. But for example, you know, 87% of entries picked this team. I will throw out stuff like that. One thing that has surprised me is how many people are high on South City entering the playoffs. Obviously a great story. They are 9-1. They are the PAL Lake Division champions two years after not having a varsity team. They went winless in 2018 and 2019 and the shortened 2020 season. Didn't have a varsity team in 21. Ended their winless drought in 22. Are back in the playoffs with a league title this year. They will host number six, Silver Creek. South City's got some playmakers on the outside for sure with Elijah Fields and Darren Miller. 
I really like fullback Marcus Mercurio as well. But I don't think people are giving Silver Creek the credit they deserve. Raiders coming out of a B-League, finishing second in the BVAL Santa Teresa Foothill. Got a good QB in Trajan Sinatra and have lost just three times all season. That said, they did only beat Homestead by nine, and Homestead really fell off as the year went on. And it's not like Silver Creek played a tremendous non-league schedule. They also have a loss to Lincoln, who did not have a particularly great season, 13-10. Their losses are Lincoln, Westmont, and Branham. I think the form the Raiders are in as of late should carry over, and I think just the biggest thing in a lot of these games when you've got, you know, an A versus a B or a B versus a C, as we have in this case, you've been playing at a different speed playing against those teams. If you gave South City and Silver Creek similar schedules throughout the season, I think that would totally change the parameters. But I have to give Silver Creek an edge here because they've played against better competition through league play. Number two, Overfeld hosting number seven, Leland. Leland in unprecedented territory. An A-league team is the seven seed in D5. Overfeld, the runner-up in the BVAL Santa Teresa Valley Division. They are led by stud linebacker and running back John Stowers, the San Jose State commit. They're coming in with a ton of momentum off of a dramatic late comeback to beat Sobrato last week, to steal that final playoff bid, and deny the Bulldogs a share of the league title. They would have split it with Lee. Instead, Lee is your outright league champ. These two teams faced off in the regular season back on Thursday, September 7th. That was a 38-21 overfelt win. Royals do have losses to Woodside and Christopher on their ledger. Christopher, of course, one of the better teams in the entire section as they are up in D2. Leland at just 3-7. Their win's coming against Half Moon Bay, Lincoln, and Oak Grove. 18 of the 20 CCS quarterfinal games are being played on Friday. That includes all four in Division 4, where you've got number one Palo Alto, and so far the perceived favorite in the division, hosting number eight Seaside. Number three, Branham hosting number six Greenfield. Seen just a couple of people pick the Bruins as an upset pick. Have not gotten to see them in person. I can tell you that the Bruins will win this game. Bruins versus Bruins. I feel relatively confident in saying that. I also feel relatively confident that even though Friday is a holiday, there's going to be a large caravan coming up 101 from Greenfield coming into San Jose to see their boys play in the postseason. Anytime you get a town from down south, whether it's Greenfield, Gonzalez, Soledad, playing a playoff game in any sport, their fans will roll up anywhere and everywhere. So that should be a pretty fun crowd and a pretty good environment at Branham Friday night. I'm a bit surprised to see how many people have picked Mountain View to even the score with Burlingame after losing to them in the regular season. I think this one could really be a toss-up and is one of the more interesting games of this quarterfinal round. Mountain View spread the ball around last week. They got QB Kevin Conway back. Viliami Sakona is generally the best player on the field, no matter who he's playing against. He can play every position. And this has been a rough year for Burlingame. They are just... 3-7, and seven, which is their worst record in John Philippopoulos' 22 years as head coach, but they can run the ball, 
they can especially run the ball against a smaller team like Mountain View, whereas obviously against a Wilcox or Los Gatos, that's going to be much more difficult. I think this should be a really good back-and-forth game. Kevin Conway spreading the ball around on one side. Angelo Medina running circles around guys on the other. I would be very surprised if this isn't a one-score game either way. That said, I think the game I'm most interested in, in Division 4, and really one of the top four or five games in the entire section out of the 20, is number four, North Salinas, hosting number five, Lee. That is actually the playoff opener for the entire section as it gets underway at 4 p.m., part of a doubleheader at Rabobank Stadium. The Longhorns enter banged up. They managed to beat Westmont last week without any of Cheyenne Chariot, Tyler Donaldson, or Carter Williams. Getting any one of those back would make a difference. Obviously, Chariot, the biggest piece of all, really one of the best players in the entire BVAL out of any division. One of the best players in Santa Clara County, I would go as far as to say. Running back, linebacker, really does it all. Third-string quarterback option after Donaldson and Williams went down. But the Longhorns are going to be going up against a very resurgent North Salinas team. Remember, the Vikings went 0-10 last year. This year, they are 7-3. Dimaje Roberson, star receiver, kick returner, and defensive back, does it all for this team. And then Justin Pascone, averaging nearly 120 rushing yards per game. Every few weeks, I find a game like this that's super under the radar that I think deserves much more attention. And this is my game for the week under that befitting of that label. I remember a few weeks ago, I said that about San Mateo against Milpitas. That game had a three-touchdown comeback and then a last-second field goal. I feel good about this being a fascinating game and honestly a toss-up. Normally, I don't think home field advantage carries that much weight in high school sports, but in a game that I think is so tight, I think I'm going to lean North Salinas off of home field, just because I really don't see any other separating factor. Before we continue with the top three divisions, as well as Saturday's action, we're going to take a quick break and then come back at you with divisions one through three, as well as Saturday's action. You're listening to the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Castle. Don't go anywhere. Oh, hey, this is Guy Incognito. Totally not Ethan wearing a fake mustache. This podcast is really cool, and you should totally subscribe to it and rate it and leave a review. I have no ulterior motive telling me to say this. You also should share it with anyone you think might be interested. Thank you, Mr. Incognito. I really appreciate the kind words that you were not required to say at all. And I just want to remind you all that Guy Incognito is totally not me wearing a fake mustache. This is also going to be a reminder, if you have not entered the CCS Football Bracket Challenge yet and want to, shoot me a message, whether through the Twitter DMs or an email, ethancastle at gmail.com. Fill out your brackets as if it were a March Madness bracket. Just be sure to note the new format in Division 1 this year. And we're back on episode 22 of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. Ethan Castle breaking down the section quarterfinals. Division 3 in the CCS, all four games Friday night. I think this is a really intriguing field because you've got a little bit of everything. A-League, B-League, it is an exclusively PAL and PCAL field, 
there is no Santa Clara County representation. Though we've got three different counties represented out of the PCAL, those being Santa Cruz, San Benito, and Monterey. But we do have an all-San Mateo County game. Number one, Menlo Atherton against number eight, Hillsdale. Number eight seeds are not commonly picked by anyone in the bracket challenge. That said, I see Hillsdale being given more of a shot by the public than any of the other eight seeds. This game is a fascinating one to me just because of the clash of styles. Both teams can throw the ball, but M.A. is big and physical, and Jordan Masui-Sui can really just run it down your throats. Hillsdale, on the other hand, a spread team largely. QB Eric Waugh has been awfully good, one of the best in all of Northern California. That said, the offense struggled mightily against a very physical Aragon team last week which is why I think this could be a very difficult matchup for Hillsdale. They're going to have to adjust to facing a much more physical team very quickly. That's something that they hadn't had to do much of. They had to face a lot of talent throughout the season, but playing in the De Anza rather than the Bay Division, they have certainly not faced as many teams that have more one-way players such as Menlo Atherton. The De Anza Division, very strong teams, mostly consisting of two-way guys. These teams last met in 2016. That was a 56-20 Menlo Atherton win. That was the first MA team to reach a state championship game, which they lost to Paraclete of Lancaster. Daniel Haymuli was a sophomore on that team. Troy Franklin had yet to even reach high school. He was still an eighth grader. That's how long ago this was. Jordan Mims, who had a great career at Fresno State, was a senior. Noah Nalu was a sophomore. Makai Blackman, who now plays for the Minnesota Vikings after a successful college career at Colorado and USC, was a senior. I've been saying all year the biggest issue with the USC defense. They had one player last year. That was Makai Blackman. He got drafted. Anyway, the issue for this MA team in 2023 has been consistency. And... While well, you've got a decent amount of people picking them to win this bracket, as an A-League team, they took the likes of Sacred Heart Prep to overtime. Can they string together three solid weeks? That's been a difficult problem for them all season, really. I can tell you for sure that whoever wins this game is going to be in for a doozy next week, because number four Palma hosts number five Hollister in Division Three as well. That is over at Bank Stadium after the conclusion of North Salinas versus Lee, so it's listed as a 7 p.m. kickoff. Wouldn't be surprised if it's more like 7.15 or 7.30. In the regular season, Palma beat these guys 31-30 in overtime. Thomas Nunez with the game-winning two-point conversion. Hollister gave Salinas a game last week, seems to be rounding into form at the right time. Baylor's changed up their offense entering this year, and there was certainly an adjustment period. On the field, Palma is 6-4, and four, but officially they're 3-7 and seven with those three forfeits. Those all in non-league play against B and C league opponents. This is their 39th consecutive playoff appearance. They got there after having their backs up against the wall. Always a fun game when these two get together, as there's definitely a rivalry feel to it, especially now with Palma getting a pretty large freshman class coming over from Hollister, which has just become such a fast-growing community that you're getting kids from there that are 
not just going to the main public school. There are even talks of opening up a second public school in town. That's how much the population has exploded there. Anyway, always a close game between the two. It's a rivalry. Palma beat them last year by four. The year before that, the Baylors beat them 34-19, pulling away late. One guy to watch in this game is Hollister native and Palma freshman Eli Dukes, who's been really good at running back throughout the year. It'll be him combined with Drew Molinari out of the backfield, and of course Logan Saldate at receiver. The 3 versus 6 game is Aragon hosting Scotts Valley. Honestly, I think I know less about Scotts Valley than about any other team in the playoff field out of all 40. What I can tell you is that they are 9-1. and one. They won the PCAL Mission North. Their lone loss is 21-7 against SoCal. They blasted Seaside 52-7 a couple weeks ago and shut out North Monterey County. They also beat Montevista Christian by 25. Non-league strength of schedule, outside of that SoCal game, not great. A couple of C-league teams as well as Willow Glen. Small roster, they have... Roughly 25 to 30 guys, might be a couple more now with JV call-ups. And they'll be facing an Aragon team that has the ability to throw. Sean Hickey's done a nice job at QB. Jalen Scroggins is a good big play threat of receiver, and they've got a solid tight end in Max Thronson. But make no mistake, Aragon likes to run the ball. Ivan Nisa, Pauvale Hokafonu, and Amaziah Tanyelu, they're going to ground and pound. A mix of sweeps and runs over the middle. Two weeks ago, the tough loss to Cappuccino left them with a share of a league title, but they responded in a major way last week by blasting Hillsdale in the second half, ending their five-year Battle of the Fleas losing streak. Again, I wish I could tell you more about Scotts Valley. They've had a really strong season. Louis Walters is one of the most well-regarded coaches out of the Santa Cruz area, and unfortunately, I just... I have not had the privilege to see his team play in person, so I really have very little go-off there. I wish I could give you more analysis, but instead of pretending I know more, I'm just going to come out and say, yeah, here's what I know. It's a little bit limited. Number two, Cappuccino hosting number seven, Alisal. How prepared will Alisal be for Cap's series of trick plays will be a fun question to address. Trojans have played in San Mateo County this year. They beat Sequoia very early in the season, week three. That was a Thursday night game. Since a heartbreaking loss to Carmel, they have rattled off five straight wins. QB Santiago Chaidez, who I can only assume is the son of head coach Cesar Chaidez, has had a very nice season to this point. It seems like the complaints about school size in various divisions has gone away after a few years in this format because there hasn't really been a lot of uproar over... Cappuccino with its 1,100-ish students taking on a school nearly three times larger. In any enrollment-based sport, Alisal is in D1. They are one of the largest schools in the section with upwards of 2,900 students. Division 2, you've got number 1 Mitty hosting number 8 Christopher at Foothill College. Christopher coming off the gut-wrenching loss to Live Oak last week where they held an early 21-0 lead. Ended up losing out on a share of the league title. Mitty comes in on a two-game losing streak, a seven-point loss to St. Ignatius where they were behind by 21 before a late push, and then last week's 35 to nothing defeat to Valley Christian. 
I still have Mitty as the favorite in this division, but I'm seeing a whole lot of love for both Atherton schools and a little bit for SoCal as well. I do think Mitty is more appropriate to be in Division Two than any of the other WCAL teams, just off a size and physicality standpoint. That said, they're still darn good, and compared to teams from outside of the WCAL, they will have faced more physical opponents than just about any of them. And that's no disrespect to the PAL Bay or the PCAL Gabalon. And frankly, I don't think Mitty's getting enough credit heading into the playoffs. Yes, back-to-back -back losses to close the season, but this is a team that in non-league play beat both Logan and Aptos. Within league play, gave Reardon their money's worth. I just think people are sleeping on the Monarchs after these last couple of weeks and maybe are forgetting... Even though you come out of the WCAL bruised and banged up, facing that level of competition makes teams stronger entering the postseason. Chance for Christopher to really make an impression, though, I think even though they are in the BVAL, they don't get quite as much attention from the rest of the Bay Area as the other Santa Clara County teams, just off of where they are geographically. But William Rizcala and Amari Blueford are both studs and we'll have a chance to really impress on a big stage Friday night at Foothill College. Number four, Live Oak hosting number five, Menlo. That was a matchup that we saw last year as well. Live Oak, as mentioned, coming in off of the emphatic league title win. Menlo, 9-1, having lost the Valparaiso Bowl. Despite that defeat, Menlo is a very popular pick to go on a run here. Seen a couple of brackets taking Live Oak to make the championship. Seen far more love for Menlo. I think just off of their playoff success the last couple of years, 2021, they reached the Division II championship, though they did get flattened there by Wilcox. Last year, they won the CCS Division III title, absolutely blasting Hollister. I'm still, in hindsight, not surprised they won that game. I am still very astonished by the margin. You've got a Live Oak team that... While they are a run-heavy team, has a lot of speed, especially Josh Gagne and Christian Haga. I'm I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. H-A-U-G-E. Could be Hogue. Could be Hauge. I'm. Please let me know if you're listening. I would love to be able to get this correct. Well, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. I am sure that he is a section track champion. And that speed was on display last week to lead that comeback and dramatic win against Christopher. Should be a great atmosphere. Live Oak fans bring it just about every week. It's a very nice stadium and a fun environment. You know, Morgan Hill is really where Bay Area tech world meets agriculture. It's a little bit like Livermore in terms of that vibe and makes for a really fun football environment without having to travel too far. Number two, SoCal hosting number seven, Carmel. I know that people from within the Bay Area itself aren't as familiar with this game, aren't as familiar with these teams. Carmel averages 46 points a game. SoCal's defense allowing under 14 a game. And you look at over the course of the season, which teams have actually put up points on SoCal. Salinas got to 27 on him. Los Gatos got to a turnover rated 45. Other than that, they shut out Burlingame. They held Scotts Valley to 7. They held Monterey to 7. They held Alvarez to 6. They held Hollister to 10. They held Palma to 7. And they held Aptos to 14. Their defense has been phenomenal all year. And that should be a fun clash. The Soquel defense against the Carmel offense. 
Again, I think both these teams, especially SoCal, are really being underestimated. That said, I am rolling with the Knights in this one. Second place in an A-League versus first place in the B-League. Hard not to take the A-League team, considering how good the Gabalon division has been. That they went 5-1 and one in that league is a serious achievement. Three Division I games on Friday night. St. Ignatius hosting Valley Christian at 5.30 in a game that, similar to Burlingame versus Mountain View, I am just about certain this is going to be a down-of-the-wire game, knowing the nature of this SI team. They beat Valley Christian back on October 13th, 15-14, after trailing 14-0. Won that game without running back Cameron Jones. A week after, Valley lost to St. Francis. Then they hung with Sarah and then blasted Mitty, so Valley enters the playoffs hot. They'll be coming into the postseason against an SI team that has more experience in tight games than just about anybody, and more experience winning tight games than just about anybody. They have played in six one-score games, winning five of those. That said, the game against Reardon, they were in it because of a couple of special teams plays. Reardon more than doubled them in yards. And the game against Mitty, they led by three touchdowns before a late Monarch push. So was that necessarily your typical back-and-forth one-score game? Not quite. But yeah, one-score games have been the norm for these guys. One-point win over Bellarmine, one-point win over Valley, one-point win over Jesuit and a seven-point win over Cathedral Catholic. I think whoever wins this game is a real threat, not only next week, but to win Division One. SI's been nails in close games. Valley's playing their best football the last couple of weeks. This is going to be fun. Now, real quick, before we get any further, if you need a reminder about how the Division One and Open Division format works, it is the same thing that the Division one an open division employee in the North Coast section. Basically, teams two through four really never had a shot beneath De La Salle. The last couple of years, Pittsburgh and now SRV have been close, but for the most part, if you've been in the same division as De La Salle, you, you weren't winning a section title. So the changed format to accommodate for this and really give teams more of a shot one plays eight, the winner of that plays the two versus seven winner, and then on the other side, the three versus six and four versus five winners play. The one eight and two seven game is the open division championship. The winner of that becomes your open champ. The loser of that drops into the division one championship against someone out of third through sixth. Basically, this allows for the section to send another section champion rewards the top two seeds for the regular season they've had. And while number seven and number eight, I mean, they would still be facing number one or number two regardless. If you win that game somehow, then the next week, you're playing in a double elimination game, basically. So teams one, two, seven, and eight, if you win your first game, you're in the open division championship. And if you lose that, you're still playing the next week. So it's a reward to 1 and 2 for their strong regular seasons. It's a reward to 7 and 8 if they manage to beat number 1 or number 2. And it allows for a really good, just not super team, to also be a section champion. Because before, under this equity format, basically teams 2 through 8 got nothing. And it was just teams 1, 9, 
17, 25, and 33 were your section champs. Now team number two becomes a section champ as well. So St. Ignatius versus Valley Christian is that three versus six game. They are on the same side of the bracket as number four Los Gatos versus number five Reardon, the game that I will be attending as poll data overwhelmingly says that's the one that people want me to cover. Los Gatos coming off of back-to-back heartbreaking losses in the postseason the last two years to Bellarmine and Mitty. Reardon, this is actually their first playoff appearance since 2015 when they reached the Division Three championship game and lost to Sacred Heart Prep on a memorable double reverse pass. A Pete Lavarado trick play, one of his best trick play calls out of a pretty phenomenal portfolio. Reardon does enter this game a bit banged up. We are not sure about the injury status thus far, but I can tell you that from last week, lineman Michael Lange, receiver defensive back standout Chris Lawson, linebacker Tony Manu, and lineman Tommy Tofi are all coming off of injuries. Tofi did not play last week. I believe the others did. I am not sure of their status entering this week. Or maybe I am sure, and I'm just not able to tell you because I get things off the record, and that's part of being a good reporter, is being able to maintain these relationships and knowing what's off the record and what's on the record. So Reardon was already thin at linebacker. Whether or not they have Manu will be significant. Remember, they lost Owen Burke and Grant Lockley to injuries earlier, along with Skylar Tiatia. I think Tiatia and Lockley are done for the year. Not sure about Burke's status. Lost in one of the best receivers and defensive backs in the entire state. His status also significant as well. Although he is part of a pretty deep group there, along with Tyrone Jackson, Judge Nash, Wesley Wynn, Sinai Thomas. If he isn't able to go, there are certainly guys who would be able to step up. Guys that would be a number one receiver on most teams that are, you know, a number three or four option at Reardon, but Lawson's a bit of a different breed and is a tough one to replace, even if he's being replaced by other extremely talented players. So again, the SI Valley Christian and Reardon Los Gatos winners will face off. On the other side of the bracket, Sarah plays on Saturday, but number two St. Francis hosts number seven Wilcox on Friday. Third playoff meeting between these two in the last decade. The Calcagno family with ties to both schools. Kind of an everybody-knows-everybody game. The St. Francis I-formation run, led by Kingston Kayana Ina against the Wilcox Veer. Should be a good ground-heavy game. I think Wilcox certainly has the right stuff to keep this close, as it is two run-heavy teams. That said, hard to bet against the St. Francis interior line. I have not seen a single person pick Wilcox yet. Still waiting on more picks to come in. Once again, remember, if you want to enter the CCS Football Bracket Challenge, shoot me a message before 4 p.m. tomorrow with your picks across all five divisions. Entering this postseason, I am going to be paying especially close attention to St. Francis. And I am going to be paying especially close attention to them because they haven't won a section title since 2014. Now, for a lot of schools, having won a section title as recently as 2014 is nothing to be ashamed of. But this is a team that's won multiple WCAL titles since then, including a couple of undefeated WCAL seasons but hasn't had similar success at the section level. Remember, this is this is one of the premier programs in the Bay Area. They get huge crowds every week. Kids want to play for them. 
and they have a hump to get over in the section playoffs. And one of the most interesting trends over these last seven playoff runs for them, all of which have ended in defeat at the section level, even though one of those, they did go on to win a state title, that being in 2017. Four of those losses have been against teams that they had beaten in the regular season. Oak Grove, 2015. Valley Christian and OT, 2018. Sarah, 2021. And Mitty last year, another OT game. And they've lost these games by the slimmest of margins. And considering the way that tradition is held in that program, it's not like the kids that are new to the program are oblivious to that. They are well aware of the history of St. Francis football. So they're going to be looking to shake that off and overcome that, which is not going to be easy. If you ask around, one of the common things that you'll hear is that one of the reasons they've struggled with teams a second time is because it's not like they run a particularly varied system week to week. You know what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball up the middle. They're going to try to beat you on the ground. And perhaps there's something to that where teams that are playing them a second time have gotten used to what St. Francis is running. Although I think a lot of it's also just rotten luck in some of these situations. You know, a botch snap on an extra point has been the difference a couple of times. That said, there was the 2021 game against Sarah where a team that had run for nearly 400 yards a couple weeks earlier got shut down. That was also just Sarah changing things up personnel-wise, having some of their best guys play both ways instead of trying to conserve them. And St. Francis also had special teams issues that night, which they hadn't had all year long. So it's kind of been Murphy's Law, and again, it is something that they are going to be trying to erase this year. They can make that all a distant memory if they win just two games, whether that be this week and then Open Division or this week and Division One. So that is one of the storylines to keep up with throughout the postseason. I think it's a really interesting narrative, and it's a chance for these kids to finish something off that some of the guys that have come before them haven't been able to do. And it's always really rewarding when you hear players talking about, you know, winning a game for the guys that were there before them. And you remember that these games aren't played in a vacuum, that these guys do care beyond when they're in high school, and I just really appreciate that. It's one of the fun things about high school sports. People don't realize from the outside how much alumni still care. And that's one of the reasons I do this. So that's your rundown of Friday's game. Saturday, a few to go over. In the North Coast section, we've got two in Division 6. Number 1, St. Vincent DePaul, hosting number 8, Kennedy of Richmond. Number 3, Salesian, hosting number 6, St. Mary's Berkeley. Or St. Mary's Albany, the school literally splits the city limits. Salesian beats St. Mary's 18-14 on the road back on September 9th. Last week against El Cerrito, Salesian had a five-game winning streak snapped. But the Pride were very clearly number two in the TCAL Rock. St. Mary's number two in the TCAL Stone to Vallejo. NCS D5, number two St. Bernard's host number seven Terra Linda up in Eureka on Saturday afternoon. St. Bernard's part of a three-way tie for first place in the HDNL Big Four along with Del Norton Fortuna. Division three, number one Marin Catholic hosting number eight Bishop O'Dowd. Even getting moved up into higher divisions, Marin Catholic has been typically a team that cruises through first-round wins. 
They beat Odell 52-0 in the regular season and will be heavy favorites once again here. And then Division 2, I am really interested in Redwood hosting Heritage. Not often we get teams from the MCAL and Bay Valley League playing against each other. Heritage is going to have to adapt to playing a rare Saturday afternoon game. And whenever that happens, I generally lean towards the home team, even though home field advantage is not the be-all and end-all at the high school level. There are two Central Coast section games on Saturday. Number one, Sarah hosting number eight, Salinas, in the Division I Open Division bracket. If you've been out of the loop, Salinas linebacker Christopher Phillips posted on Twitter the other day, you know, here we go, Padres versus Cowboys again. Sarah linebacker Johnny Latu responded, good luck, with a video of his massive special teams hit. So it's been spicy. For teams that are a couple counties away from each other, it's a little spicy. I will be at the Division II game with number three, Sacred Heart Prep, hosting number six, Monterey. Finally going to get a chance to see the Toreadors. I am very familiar with some of their athletes through basketball, but have not gotten to see them playing football. Monterey has been to San Mateo County this year. They blasted Aragon 41-14 behind a big third quarter way, way back in week two of the season. Have been down in PCAL territory since then. SHP playing their best ball as the season's gone on. I've said it many times. I don't know if I've ever seen a team improve from week one to week 10 like I have this SHP team. A lot of that going to three guys named Jack. QB Jack Scully, wide receiver Jack Stevens, and tight end Jack Gertner. I'm really looking forward to this game. Just getting a chance to finally watch this Monterey team up close. Seems like the Bay Area-based prognosticators seem to all really think it's going to be SHP to roll. I think a lot of that's just that a lot of people haven't gotten to see Monterey in the PCAL. You know, you do see some regional bias in a lot of these picks. That's going to just about do it for this episode of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. Once again, don't forget, if you want to enter the... CCS Bracket Challenge, shoot me a message. Be happy to talk with you and get that all worked out. And I hope to see you at some games this weekend. Once again, don't forget to rate the show, subscribe if you haven't yet, share it with anyone you think might be interested, especially if people have questions about this new Open Division D1 bracket format in the Central Coast section. And I look forward to seeing you all around at as many games as possible coming up. As I've said recently, it really makes my day when I find out that people have been listening to the show. Please give me any sort of feedback, positive or negative, whether that's through leaving a review or by shooting me a DM or email, ethancastle at gmail.com. No dots, no dashes. You know the drill. This has been the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. Welcome to the postseason.